Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8? This is one of those sections of scripture that strikes me as uniquely poetic and beautiful in its composition. It's a work of art, this chapter of of the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful and beneficial to us and is glorious for us to consider. There are certain parts of it that are more artful and poetic and more striking in their beauty, and this is one of those. I am reminded this morning of how humble the vessel is this myself that's trying to communicate the glory of God's word. Um, when you, when tasked with preaching a, a passage of scripture of this remarkable beauty, it feels like being tasked with um, performing a glorious hymn of the faith, like Christ the Lord is risen today and being given a tin whistle or something like that to try to communicate it. But what's amazing is that we just get to spend some time hearing these glorious words from Proverbs chapter 8, telling us about wisdom, here personified as a glorious woman. And so let's pay attention to this section of scripture and let's take in together the beauty of these 36 verses that are in front of us this morning. Proverbs chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Let's remember this is God's word as we hear it. Does not wisdom call... Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteousness. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. 
I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles who all govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit. So that the waters might not transgress his commands. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, and I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O oh sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Last when we were together, we heard about the adulterous woman. The end of Proverbs chapter 6 talks about adultery, and all of Proverbs chapter 7 tells us about the adulterous woman. It was a stark warning to all of us about the destructive nature of adultery, the destructive nature of taking something that is good, and that is in Proverbs 6 and 7, that is the good of sex, and placing it in a place where it does not belong. We've been told many times throughout this sermon series that this book is structured as Solomon giving instruction to his son. And what Solomon is doing is letting his son knows, know that there will be any number of ways, any number of ideologies, any number of women with whom he might build his life, his home. And Solomon is laying out the sinful allure of the adulterous woman in chapter 7, but in contrast... Chapter 8 speaks to us of the glory and the beauty and the majesty of the wise woman, contrasted in every way with the adulterous woman in chapter 7. We've been calling this sermon series The Beautiful Life, and Proverbs chapter 8 actually tells us that the key to the beautiful life is to find wisdom. That the key to the beautiful life is to find wisdom. And wisdom herself calls out to us in this section of scripture, inviting us to heed and to hear and to know wisdom ourselves. There are four points to this part of scripture. There's wisdom's call in verses 1 through 11. And then wisdom's values given to us in verses 12 through 21. 
Wisdom's power is laid out in verses 22 to 31, and then wisdom's invitation in 32 to 36. So let's make our way through this powerful section of scripture, starting with wisdom's call in verses 1 through 11. The first contrast between the wise woman and the adulterous woman hits us immediately. As we read this section of scripture, I hope that you may have even found yourself emerging from the darkness of Proverbs chapter 7 to be transported to the splendor and joy of chapter 8. For while the adulterous woman comes out in the dark and whispers smooth and deceitful words to foolish men, foolish enough to walk her way, wisdom raises her voice to speak loud enough for everyone to hear. Wisdom, you see, has nothing to hide. She possesses no wily, guarded heart intent on possessing and destroying the young man who stumble her way. She has an open heart, rather. Genuine, chaste, wants connection in line with the law and righteousness of God. And so she raises her voice at the time of the day when the crossroads are full and the entrance to the town is buzzing. She calls out. And makes her intentions clear to every person. No matter how foolish you are, you can learn prudence and sense. Some of us here this morning need to find ourselves in these words. It is easy, too easy, to listen only to folks who will stroke your ego and tell you that you're already the perfect person. That the world is what needs to change for you. That you don't need to learn anything, change anything, do anything. That it's everybody else that needs to change, learn, and do. Wisdom instead comes in regal beauty and says, you're simple and you need to learn. You're foolish and you need to learn. And so how do we learn? By listening to wisdom. Far from the shame and the degeneracy that the adulteress speaks, the wise woman speaks noble things. From her lips, the text says, comes what is right. And she announces in verse 7, from my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Wisdom tells us that she is only going to speak what is true and righteous and good. Wisdom tells us that wicked things are an abomination to her lips. Do you know what an abomination is? It's a thing that causes disgust or hatred. The wise woman is so committed to that which is true, good, and beautiful that her lips are disgusted by wickedness itself. You can know that you are going to never hear anything obscene or disgraceful. That you'll hear nothing evil, no cursing, because wisdom's lips won't allow it. Instead, all she'll speak is righteousness. And if you are yourself progressing along the way of wisdom, if you're growing in righteousness, if you're developing in holiness, one of the things that you will find is that wisdom's words are right. They are good. They are holy. They are delightful. That's what she says. All those who walk on my path know that my words are right. I wonder if you've ever experienced this. I wonder if you've ever been in conversation, maybe in a group of people. Perhaps as you've been talking, you've heard somebody criticizing scripture, calling into question the words of Jesus or Paul or the prophets. Maybe it's sometimes in a scandalous way that profanes the name of Jesus. Maybe it's in a more subtle way of the serpent in the garden saying, did God really say? And then maybe you hear a rejoinder to those words, perhaps humbly offered. 
by somebody who trusts in the Lord Jesus calmly and peaceably, laying out the truth of God's word, why it's still true today, why it continues to be relevant, why it can be trusted. Have you ever found in those sorts of situations that these humble, true, pure words are like a cool, refreshing glass of pure water on a day when you're unusually parched? You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukemai. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. Do you find those humble words to be demonstration of that which is utterly lovely in contrast to the sludge that opposes God and his ways? Well, I'll give you an example, maybe two. The first one from a saint in our own congregation. About eight years ago, I was visiting Henry Camp before a surgery. The surgeon who was going to be performing the operation came into the room and asked him how he was feeling in advance of the surgery, which was going to be taking place the next day. And Henry said something like this, I'm a little nervous, but I'm confident because I trust Jesus. And I know that even if the worst happens, he's still got me and will bring me to eternal life. Those are words of wisdom, beautiful and true. And one of the gifts of being a pastor is being able to be in those kinds of situations regularly and to hear the testimony of the congregation regularly about how they, about how you, about how we trust in Jesus as our only hope. Those words were so beautiful and refreshing and encouraging as a minister of the gospel, but they actually even got better because he asked the surgeon, do you trust in Jesus too? Knowing that he might be facing the end of his own life, he thought this was a perfect example to share the gospel with the man who will be performing the surgery. The surgeon responded, oh, sure, yeah, I believe in all religions, I looked over at Henry, who had the most confused look on his face that I've ever seen, as if to say, it doesn't work that way. He looked for some words and eventually said, okay, but but Jesus is the best one. I'll take your word for it, the surgeon said. Lovely, refreshing, words of life, humbly and simply spoken. And just because God is gracious... And has allowed me to walk a little ways on his path. I could hear and receive them for the beauty and the glory that they were. A few weeks ago, a member of the congregation and an elder of the congregation sent me a video of a minister, Reverend Kelvin Robinson, defending some unpopular truths of God's word. Simply listening to a faithful pastor explain God's truth is such an encouragement to me. And it was a great refreshment to know that one of my elders cares about it too. As you walk along the way of wisdom, as you grow in grace, you'll find that the truth becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And that falsehood and evil will become increasingly disgusting and hateful to your mind and your heart and your lips. That's what wisdom offers. 
And in all this, wisdom says, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. If offered an option, either godly wisdom or great wealth, you should take godly wisdom every time. If you are given the opportunity to trade, you should trade for godly wisdom every time. No amount of wealth in this passing away world can compare with the goodness of knowing God and understanding wisdom. Silver and gold might be able to purchase for you a wealthy kind of life. Silver and gold might be able to allow you to surround yourself with the comforts of this world. It may enable you to surround yourself with all measure of beautiful things. But wisdom cultivates the beautiful life itself. Jesus promised us that to know him is to have life and have it to the full. That's always the way with God. It's the way in the Old Testament along with the new. If given the opportunity to choose between the ways of God and the ways of the world, every time will the ways of God bring truth, beauty, goodness, and life, even if it's harder to choose the things of God. Or to put it another way, wealth might surround you with what people desire, but wisdom will make you the right and good and holy object of godly desire. And while wealth and wisdom can go together, if given the option to pick one, go with wisdom every single time. Because wisdom is of extraordinary value. And having shared that with us, she expresses in the second part of the text how great her value is. That takes us to verses 12 and following. Wisdom is valuable first because of the folks that she hangs with. She talks about how she's hanging with prudence and discretion. You'll find that when you're around wisdom, the company that you keep will be wonderful. If you go to wisdom's parties, you'll find the best conversation, the deepest fellowship, the truest friends. And then wisdom, again, distinguishes herself from the adulterous woman because the words that she speaks in verse 13 are not smooth and alluring. They're biting, but beautiful. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. That's what wisdom tells us in verse 13. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. And so here's a question for all who desire to become wise. Do you hate evil? If you find that you hate evil, In increasing measure, you're finding that you're becoming increasingly wise. There are different places that you or I might hate evil. Do you hate it in the world? When you read in the news or see some of the images that might flash on the screen, images of exploitation and harm and death, do you recognize that for the evil that it is and hate it? Do you hate it in your neighbor as you see cruelty, hatred, selfishness? And do you hate evil in yourself as you see it regularly trying to take root within your mind and heart and actions? Do you despise it? One tragic reality is that it can be relatively easy to hate evil on a global scale and extremely easy, extremely difficult to hate it as it takes up residence in our own hearts. 
One of the things that is always a great challenge is that we can be very easily annoyed by sin and sinful patterns of behavior that we see in our siblings or our spouse or those that we encounter at the grocery store or driving slowly in the left lane. (laughs) We can find ourselves genuinely hating what we perceive as wrong and evil in others and neglect it in our own hearts. We can find that we might do all manner of things to try to stop it in other people without first removing the plank from our own eye. One of the things that a wise person will do is to recognize the sin that exists within ourselves, the sin, the sin that can so easily entangle, the sin that can so easily distract, the sin that can so easily take up residence, even if unbidden in our own, unbidden in our own hearts and lives. We can recognize that and ignore it, but a wise person will recognize it and hate it and cry out to God, asking that he might remove it from us. The reality is is that very few of us will have any sort of capability or potency or power to diminish evil on a global scale or even in the lives of those that we know. Though it's important for us to take action, including prayer, when and where we see it. But the other reality is that God has given to us control over our own lives in his sovereignty. And it's important for us to call out to God to remove sin from ourselves, to hate it as it dwells within, because that is the way of wisdom, to hate, hate sin, to hate evil. Wisdom goes on and tells us how valuable she is because kings rule by wisdom. Wisdom is so valuable that it can direct entire nations towards justice, righteousness, success, and prosperity, towards good for the greatest to the least in society. And as we consider how we might operate in the public square and how we might even vote, one important question is, is this person wise? Is this person friends with wisdom? If not, it might be time to choose somebody else. To pull the lever for somebody else. And then some of the fruit of wisdom is explained, which adds to the value of it. Riches can come by wisdom, sure. But also honor. Enduring wealth, sure. But also righteousness. Verse 18 tells us that riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. It's a reminder that there are genuine, practical benefits to wisdom. That if you live in line with wisdom, if you are wise with the way that you handle yourself and your time and your finances and your attention, that it may well be that making use, wise use of your resources will lead to more. And wealth can bring enduring wealth and riches. But notice how that's always the first thing that's mentioned. And the second here is always more important. Sure, wisdom may bring, because wisdom is so practical, riches, but even more so, you should desire it for the honor. Sure, wisdom may bring enduring wealth, but you should desire it even more for the righteousness that it may direct you in. There's practical benefit to knowing wisdom, but the greater part of wisdom is knowing the more valuable fruit of honor and righteousness. That's what you should want to fill your treasury with. 
But the value of wisdom is exceeded by its power. Because as we move to the next section of this portion of scripture, verse 22 and following, all of a sudden the passage begins to describe wisdom in cosmic ways. Wisdom begins speaking of herself as there with the father as he creates the world. As he begins his work, wisdom is working alongside. This is when the poetry reaches its height. Before the mountains had been shaped and the hills, wisdom was brought forth. Before God had made the earth with its fields or the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, wisdom was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. Wisdom here is just talking about the beauty and the glory of creation, the way that God had made the world to be. And what wisdom is saying is, I was working along with God. You see, wisdom is an element of God's nature. Wisdom exists because God exists, because God is wise. The way that he makes and forms and fashions the world, wisdom is shot all the way through. It's why we can discern what's wise and foolish if we take a look at the world and the way that it ought to be. It's why wisdom can call out in the streets that people can know wisdom because God wove it into the way that he made the world. The world shines with the glory of God. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you.